And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Breaking news from The Athletic. Mike Sando here, senior writer from The Athletic, along with the GM, Randy Mueller. Randy, let's dive into this Julio Jones situations off the top. What are your kind of initial thoughts on this one, Randy? It caused quite a storm on a Sunday. Yeah, I think it caused a little storm because it, you know, took front and center and had been talked about for so long. I didn't find a lot of surprise in, in what ended up happening. And I guess my one takeaway of somewhat surprise was that it was Tennessee and they only had 3.5 million in cap room. So I didn't suspect that they would be big players in this just because of the cap, but they obviously have some, some cap gymnastics up their sleeve now and going to have to make room for a, what, $15, $16 million contract from Julio Jones coming their way. So I guess that surprised me a little bit. I mean, this has been on and percolating since, uh, oh, I went back and did some research. I think it was April 27th when Terry Fontenot sat down and first discussed this. And from then on, I think GMs knew this Julio Jones was available. They kind of uh, were posturing as to how it would happen, but they knew that the Falcons would have to do something and really, let's face it, blame it on the cap. Nobody wants to get rid of a Julio Jones type talent, but they they uh, they were stuck with a cap situation when the new regime came to Atlanta that made it hard. It was going to be hard, especially having to choose between Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. They elected to choose Matt Ryan by redoing his contract, and it put him up against it with Julio Jones. So I think Julio uh, became the odd man out. Um, like you said, it's it's been talked about. He went on, uh, what was it, Fox uh, Live TV with uh, Shannon Sharp and said, I'm out of here. That, again, to <laughs> me, was not a surprise. I mean, I felt that was coming. I think that maybe was his way of saying, I get it, I get it, I'm out of here. But, you know, I don't think that surprised any NFL GMs. They have they had known for, like I said, since the 27th of April, he was going to be available. So probably ended up being a, a good situation for both teams, and everybody made the best of uh you know, what a bad situation the cap had created or somebody who decided to uh, manage Atlanta's cap in that way. That's for sure. I love, though, how the cap always gets used like, you know, hey, oh, the yeah, cap is yeah. why. And then the, the team that acquires them doesn't have a lot of cap room <laughs> themselves. So right. you can really use that cap. It's, it is a real thing. It sets real constraints and it does influence how you act. But it doesn't really always stop you from doing what you wanted to do. It just gives you good reason. Hey, the cap. I remember, granted, we go back to maybe 20 years uh, when, uh, you know, you had built a fairly competitive team in Seattle and then Mike Holmgren came in and we, uh, we like Mike, but it, for two years it was, oh, this cap, you know, we've got to, but he just really wanted to build the team how <laughs> yeah. he wanted to, which is what everybody does. Yeah. So the cap, right. you know, the cap made me do it. Right. But it was a real situation for Atlanta. And I think we'll get into what yep. it means for the Falcons and their overall plan, you know, how this does or doesn't make sense. But first, I think the initial uh, you know, impact of a move like this uh, is just the excitement. If you're a Titans fan, excuse me, if you're a Titans fan over, hey, we got Julio Jones, right? I mean, everyone knows right. 
everyone watches the ball. Most people do. The, the TV cameras watch the ball uh, uh, during a football game. And so you see Julio Jones. You, everyone knows how great Julio Jones is. And we have now the possibility of the Titans putting out <coughs> on the field Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry at the same time, which sounds pretty good. And oh, by the way, the $15 million salary for Julio Jones fits fits comfortably inside the slot that would have existed for Corey Davis, their top five drafted receiver, had right. they picked up his fifth-year option, which they didn't. So let's just talk about the football impact of this. Do they – are they your favorite, you know, to win the division? Are they going to go deeper in the playoffs? What do you think of them just adding Julio Jones? Well, I think it's definitely – Julio Jones was going to fit in any offense wherever yeah. he ended up, that's for sure. And I'm not going to sit here and, and pick apart his career or where he's at at age 32. I think he brings a set of skills and, and assets that is hard to find in this league. And you can you can say, yeah, a guy's older, you don't know how long he's going to be healthy. But I know to this point, and I believe this number is still correct, you can put in your back pocket 95 yards per game – receiving yards every time he walks on the field. That's his career number, which I think is insane. That's a yeah. pretty good guarantee, right? I'm taking that 95 every Sunday and rolling Julio Jones out there. So I think probably it's a good move for Tennessee from the standpoint of they, they're trying to open things up a little bit there. They're trying to evolve their offense into more of a battering ram with, with Henry, the, the running back. This does that. I think one under the radar move that they've accompanied this with is Josh Reynolds, the receiver that they signed in the offseason uh, from the Rams. I think he kind of comes without a bunch of fanfare. And and really now you add Julio to A.J. Brown and like you said, uh, a group of, of guys who I think, no wonder Tannehill was yeah, so yeah. happy yesterday, right? I mean, I saw the clips on social media. He was celebrating like it was, you know, a birthday party for, for one of his kids. So I, I understand that. And I think it's going to be fun to watch. Does this put them at the top? I don't know. I'm not ready to say that. I think Indianapolis is still the team to beat. Maybe that's because I have more faith in Carson Wentz and the turnaround that I think he will have under Frank Wright. So I'm not ready to put Tennessee at the top of the list, but I do think it's a two-team race. And it, in a division that for me is not one of the better divisions. Let's just face it. I don't think Jacksonville is going to be competing, and I don't think tennis or uh, Texans will be in the mix without Deshaun Watson quite yet. So uh, I guess time will tell. I think it's a good move for Tennessee, though, provided they don't mortgage so much cap in the future. And again, I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop because they've got to create some cap room. It's funny. In my little email inbox, I always get these uh, you know things from gambling sites and what the odds are you know, and all that. So this just popped in. This morning, um, that Tennessee has dropped from a forty to one to twenty five to one shot for, I guess, the Super Bowl since acquiring Julio Jones. So we'll see uh, what type of impact it has. But it's got people talking, and I mean, I think we uh, sometimes underestimate just the role that hope and activity plays uh, for a franchise, right? I mean, now for the next five months. Hey, it's exciting to see what the Titans are going to do, right? If you're in Nashville or if you're, uh, if you're them, um, you've got some buzz about you after what could have looked like a tough off season. You lose Arthur Smith, you know, you, you lose, uh, John U. Smith, right? The tight end. You had some Corey Davis while well, you weren't going to pay him. I mean, you still probably would have liked to have had him. They have felt like to me a team that was sort of, uh, getting worse and maybe they still are, but I think this changes the narrative. For them for the offseason and and teams do that so um 
Yet at the same time, Randy, they've had some misses. I mean, Jaden Clowney was a yeah. bad signing. Vic Beasley was a bad signing. Do you sense desperation at all in this move? I think there's a little bit of that. I think it's a good point. I think there is a little desperation. And and again, it's a bit of a comeback against some of the negative first round picks that they've had recently, whether it's not picking up fifth year options or last year's offensive lineman who was a total bust. And that doesn't happen in this day and age. So they've got to recover from that a little bit. I do see some unknowns still. Like you said, they've got a new offensive coordinator. I think that, that what they found was teams ganging up on them in the box more than anything else. And that's to stop the run. And I think they feel like the addition of Julio will will uh, make a little more room in that box for Derrick Henry to run. So I think more than anything, that's probably the crux behind it all. They're going to get more cover two. They're going to get more two high safeties now because um, they have to respect Julio Jones, provided he's healthy and and doing what he's done over the course of his career. So I think it changes the way people defend them a little bit to, to keep That's it interesting the to me anyway. because they've been so run heavy and obviously Baltimore has too. And, and so people want them to add receivers, but it's hard to change your stripes, right? And who you are. And I think Tennessee is probably in better position to do that. Um, by adding Julio Jones and Baltimore will be. I think those are two just sort of interesting teams that have played each other uh, in the AFC. They're both trying to kind of expand and take a, another step um, and get better. And we'll see if this does that for them. And I've, I've been critical of Tennessee too. You know, I, I maybe a little overly so earlier this offseason with, with their draft and taking chances. But they haven't had a losing season since John Robinson's been here. They're the only team in the division that's above 500, 47 and 33. You take that every day. They've actually gotten a league high 489 starts uh, since Robinson's been there from draft picks in the first three rounds. So it hasn't, it, they're not a dumpster fire by any means. I mean, I think, you know, I think no, this, no, I uh, agree. It, if I'm them, I'm, I'm selling this by saying, this makes us more competitive. I mean, you're, you're always looking for opportunities. Look, we could have, we could have exercised the option on Corey Davis, and you guys might not be killing us as much, but we'd better have Julio Jones. And I get that at age 32. In fact, I was looking. Julio Jones, who I am worried about him a little bit with his health and his age, but he's played 135 games in his career, Randy. So I went into the pro football reference vault. You can actually look at slices mm -hmm. of careers. And I was wondering, okay, he's played 135 <laughs> games. So... Games 136 to 169 are really the next 34 games, which now is two seasons, 17 games, right? See the math I did there. Um, and I, I just looked at, right. in that game range for receivers, do guys produce at a high level? And some really familiar names really have. I mean, uh, that's an early 90s Jerry Rice. That's a mid-2000s Terrell Owens. That's a Andre Johnson in his last two or three uh, really productive seasons. It's Marvin Harrison in the mid-2000s. It's Steve Smith 10 years ago. Other guys, Tim Brown, Steve Largent, Randy Moss, Joey Galloway, Ed McCaffrey, Irving Fryer, they've all put up good numbers in that range. So I think he really does have a window here of two or three seasons. And then you see it really probably go off of a cliff. So, you know, they're they're buying old, but you're not buying five or six years. You, you just need two good years from this guy. And I think he can do that. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.